Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin with another Forgotten Sheep podcast. And this time our topic is a gentleman, a minister by the name of Clement Lecossec, and he's known as Apostle to the Gypsies. He's a Frenchman, and he had an amazing ministry to the Gypsy people starting in France near Normandy and then eventually literally all over the world. Now, he was born on February 20th, 1921 in France, and I am completely unable to pronounce the name of the city, so I'm not even going to butcher that word. I'm just going to say he was born in France uh, near, the sh- uh, near the ocean. His father was a fisherman. Now, his dad was a World War I vet who had been severely injured, and because of his injuries, the family and mainly his dad, was an object of ridicule. You know, it's a sad thing that bullying isn't just something that kids do, but it's something adults do also. And I wonder how many times the kids that are bullies have learned it from the adults that are around them. So these bullies, probably both children and adults, made the Lecossec family quite miserable at times. However... Uh, when Clement was 14, they attended a revival meeting. Now, if I remember correctly, they were Catholics, and they attended a non-Catholic revival meeting. And there, Clement's father was healed. He was healed of heart disease, rheumatism, and eczema. And as a result of that experience in the Lord, the family drew much, much closer to God. And Clement was born again and became a Christian. And because of the way his family had been treated for so many years, because of the bullying, because of the ridicule, because of the discrimination, because his father had a disability, Clement had a special place in his heart for people who were considered outcasts in society. And this is going to be a defining feature of Clement's ministry. Well, after Clement finished high school, um, commercial and technical training, then he took a series of correspondence courses. And the goal of that was to become a minister. These were courses from the ADD Bible School and Missionary Association in Great Britain. And he did very well in his coursework. And as I'm looking here at my notes, I'm looking at a certificate that he received from the Bible School and Missionary Association that was certifying that Monsieur Lecossec Clement, and it says the city, had completed the correspondence courses and had uh, had done well. And so the Lord began to call him to the ministry. And by the age of 25, Clement had become a pastor. And because it was the... Pentecostal movement that had had a role in his father's healing, he was very active in the Pentecostal movement, both in France and in England. However, the turning point in his life took place after he took a pastorate in uh, Rennes, France in 1952. Now, before we talk about what happened in 1952, uh, we need to talk for a little bit about the gypsies. Now, I mentioned that Clement Lecossec is known as the Apostle to the Gypsies. And the gypsies, 
are very stereotyped people. They are very discriminated against people. Uh, they're a dark-skinned nomadic people, also known as the Romani or the Travelers, and they have their own language, which is Romani. And the gypsies are not tied to any one particular nation, land, or even continent. They can literally be found all over the world. Uh, there's just gypsies on all the all the major continents in in most of the major countries. There's gypsies here in the United States. And they very rarely settle down. Uh, they're usually constantly traveling and on the move. And they, you know, many, many years ago, there was all kinds of wild rumors that went on about the gypsies. And one of them was that the gypsies would kidnap white children, uh, Caucasian children. And did you know that this ridiculous myth still holds? Well, an interesting comment on that was from another gypsy, Rodney Gypsy Smith, who was a... Uh, Romani evangelist who traveled the world over uh, preaching the gospel and he said people are always saying oh the gypsies are going to kidnap your kids and Gypsy Smith said that's ridiculous he said we gypsies produce enough of our own children we don't need to kidnap anybody else's children and another thing gypsies are known for is fortune telling and in uh, popular culture there's the idea of gypsy curses and all of that so there's a lot of mystique around them but they're also many times thought of as thieves they're thought of as carrying disease and these are terrible things and the awful thing about it is the gypsies are still discriminated against well when clement la cassette first encountered the gypsies they were very much discriminated against he was holding a revival campaign in brest near normandy when a very tall dark powerfully built man comes up to him at the end of a service and says, "Come, uh, would you come visit us at a nearby encampment? And Le Cossack, no doubt, was a little bit nervous about this because he didn't know this man. He was a stranger, but he agreed to go with him. And uh, the encampment was located behind some hedges along a road that was leading to town. And this was a gypsy encampment. Now, when Clement arrived... He learned that a few years before, one of the young men had been given a terminal diagnosis and was told by doctors that he was going to die. But a Pentecostal minister had laid hands on him and prayed for him, and he was healed. And as a result of this healing, many of the gypsies in that encampment had become Christians. And he was determined this man that came to Clement Lecossette was determined to spread the word of the Lord's power among the gypsy people. But the problem was many of them didn't know how to read. Um, there was not educational opportunities for gypsies. Many of them had suffered greatly during the Holocaust. There was all kinds of problems. However, even though they were not able to read, they were not able to read the Bible, the Lord was moving among the gypsy people. And many gypsies had gotten saved as a result of that young man's healing. But, as I mentioned, they faced two major issues. The first we've already talked about. They didn't have access to Bible teaching. They could not read for them. Many of them could not read for themselves. And there was no one that would come and be a pastor among the gypsy people. And they just, they were not 
a people to settle down in one area. In fact, if they tried to settle down in one area, if they tried to buy land, they were usually turned down and not allowed to buy land. So this was a big problem. The second issue that the gypsies were facing was water baptism. They couldn't find a pastor that was willing to baptize them. And the gypsy gentleman, his name was Mans, that had gone to Clement Lacosac and invited him to their encampment, said that he had gone to church after church after church, and nobody was willing to baptize the gypsy converts. Well, uh, Clement thought about this and decided he would invite them to attend a private prayer meeting at a church member's house. And uh, this was kind of his way of getting the Lord's leading and guidance to use discernment to determine if these people had been uh, born again. And as they joined in that prayer meeting at that church member's house, he felt fully convinced that these were God's people, that they had been born again, and it was the Lord's will for him to baptize them in water. And he ended up performing hundreds of baptisms at sea for the gypsy people. So when they were seeking someone that would baptize them in water, the Lord provided. The Lord put it on this minister's heart to respond to their request and showed him that they had indeed been born again. And Clement said he had no reservations what at all. He was convinced that they had had an experience in the Lord, and they were born again, and he could care less that they were considered undesirables or outcasts from society. And as I mentioned earlier, the bullying and discrimination his family had faced when he was young helped him to have a compassion for those who were being pushed aside from society, those that nobody cared about, those that even the church would push away. But... Those were the very people that the Lord put on Clement's heart. And I think that is just so special that when we feel pushed away from the church, if we feel pushed away from society, if we feel forgotten, we're never forgotten by the Lord. And that's kind of the reason that I call my, my blog and my podcast Forgotten Sheep. It's not that we're forgotten. We're never forgotten by the Lord. But sometimes we feel pushed away from the church. We feel like we don't fit in or perhaps we've grown old and we can't attend services like we used to. We can't sit that long like we used to. We don't have those opportunities and we feel forgotten. Or maybe we're sick. And there's medical problems and there's complications and we feel forgotten. The Lord never forgets us. And you know what? The Lord had not forgotten the gypsies. Though the churches were pushing them away, the Lord's arms were thrown wide open to receive them. And I thought that was so neat. But after the baptismal service was complete, the local police made the gypsy encampment leave the area. And Clement went back to his church. A year later, he had arranged to reunite with the gypsies in that same area. And during that one-year interval, 100 more gypsies had come to the Lord. There was a move of God among the gypsy people. So here the Lord was moving among the gypsies, but there was a problem. They didn't have any spiritual leadership. 
There was nobody among them that knew much about the Bible, that knew much about the Word of God, that knew much about Christianity and doctrine and the teachings of the Lord. And they said they were on the road continually, and there was no one to lead meetings with them. So what they did is every night when they stopped, they would all gather around one fire, and they would sing, and they would pray. And then if anybody could read, even if it was just one of the little children that could read, they would have them publicly read from the Bible. And that was how they were seeking God. That was the nourishment that they received. And they asked Clement if it was possible that the Lord might send a man of God to travel with them and to teach them the ways of the Lord. And Clement told him he didn't see any way it was possible. And he tried to explain this to them, that that's not how churches did things. And that's not how denominations did things. And he talked to them and he understood and he saw that need and he was grieved by it. But he had to go. He had his own church to return to. Clement was doing the best that he could, the best that he knew how. Any time a gypsy caravan came near his church, he would hold reading classes for them so that they could learn how to read the Bible. And he would hold Bible classes for them so they could learn the basics of what they needed to know to serve God. And by 1958, there were more than 3,000 gypsies that had come to the Lord. And Clement realized that something had to be done. They needed some type of leadership. He said that he couldn't leave this flock to just wander the world without a shepherd. And then he realized that the Lord was calling him to be their earthly shepherd. And I think that's neat. That's who the Lord was calling. That's, that's the one the Lord put on his heart. But it wasn't an easy decision for him to make, even though he loved the Lord with all his heart and had committed his life to the Lord. And even though he loved the gypsy people dearly and he... he he didn't care about them being outcast from society. He didn't care about the color of their skin or their language or their accent or any of that. But he struggled with this because he had a house and he had a regular monthly salary that was guaranteed. And he had a church and he had eight kids of his own. And worldly wisdom said to Clement, how can you leave this security and go travel with the gypsies? How will you survive? How will you get money? How will you feed your family? How will you see to it that your children are educated? How will you take care of them? What will happen to them? And Clement said, There was a battle in my heart, but putting all my trust in the Lord and refusing to count the cost, I threw myself into an adventure of faith. You know, I think that's a pretty cool way to put it, too, an adventure of faith. He said, how very meaningful Christ's words. Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come into my house that my house may be filled. So Clement made the decision. He resigned the church and joined the gypsy caravan as their minister that traveled with him. And his wife and children would join him during the summers. Now, he had a magazine that he had been producing for young people, a Christian magazine, and he had gotten some income from it. 
and he transformed that Young People's Magazine into a Christian magazine for the Gypsy people. And from that, the Lord made a way for him to have an inc- the income that he needed to still provide for his family. The Lord made it enough. And I think it's also neat how when we're following the Lord and we're doing the best that we can, he makes it enough. He makes the money enough. He makes the work enough. He provides for us. So Clement began to travel with them and learn their way of life. And that had to be a big adjustment for a Frenchman to learn how to live like a gypsy, to spend their life on the road traveling in an RV. But he preached the gospel everywhere he went. And now not only was he providing these people the spiritual leadership they needed and the training for them to raise up their own Christian leadership, but he is also helping them reach even more gypsies. And that leads to our next topic, um, a big source of heartache and pain and unforgiveness for the gypsies in the 1950s and the 1960s. During World War II, the gypsies were a major target of the Nazis. And as I'm referring back to my notes here, I see an image of a gypsy woman. This picture looks like it was probably taken in the early to mid-60s. It's a black and white photo, a dark-skinned, dark-headed, attractive, middle-aged gypsy woman. And on her arm, you can clearly see tattooed numbers. Many of the older gypsy men and gypsy women that Clement came in contact with had those tattoos on their arms, a permanent reminder, a permanent source of evidence of the concentration camps that they had been in, of the abuse, of the hatred, of the murder that their people had suffered at the hands of the Nazis. Germany was a place they still avoided in their travels. As they would go from place to place, they would avoid Germany. There were so many painful memories tied with Germany, too many lost loved ones, too much suffering, too much sadness, and in many cases, too much unforgiveness. Uh, During the Nazi regime of World War II, gypsies of Europe were registered, sterilized, ghettoized, and sent to concentration camps and death camps by the Nazi party. An estimated 250,000 to half a million gypsies were murdered during the Holocaust. Three quarters of the German gypsies were murdered and one half of the Austrian gypsies were murdered. Imagine only having one out of four of your nationality still left alive after a war. Or one out of two of uh, your nationality still left alive after a war. The gypsies referred to this as the devouring, and that seems like an accurate word for it. They were mistreated. Children were imprisoned in concentration camps. As I'm referring again to my notes that I have here, I'm looking at a picture of a little girl that can't be more than five years old. That is a, a date the ID is dated 1935, and it's just terrible. Many of them, if they weren't outright 
murdered in the concentration camps and the death camps. They starved to death or they died of untreated illnesses and diseases. It's terrible. Well, 11 years after Clement had joined with the gypsies, they had 20,000 new converts. Imagine that, 20,000 new converts. And that's when they decided they were going to do something unusual. They were going to hold a massive revival meeting for the gypsy people. And they were going to hold it in Germany. It would be symbolic of their willingness to forgive the German people for what happened. So it was a three-day conference with, uh, I think, 80, 80 camps, 80 gypsy camps there. And it didn't proceed without problems. The police were constantly stopping the gypsies. In Germany at that time, someone could simply call and say they had seen a gypsy man and the police would go and arrest him. So this was difficult, but they were determined that they were going to carry through with this. And they persisted. And they showed the world that gypsies from all over the world loved God. And they had forgiven the Nazis even after their people had been decimated and murdered and abused, the power of God was moving so greatly among the gypsy people that the love of God overcame the hatred, overcame the hostility, overcame those emotions that they had every right to have. But the love of God came sweeping in and swept that out and replaced all of that negativity with love. And, you know, it didn't mean that what the Nazis had done was right. It didn't mean that what the Nazis had done was okay. But it meant that the, uh, the gypsy people would no longer hold that against them. They would leave the judgment up to God. And I think it's so precious how the Lord came sweeping through those gypsy camps and delivered them from that burden of unforgiveness, that burden of hostility, that the painful memories that tormented them, and the Lord was able to set them free from that. So, one other neat thing about uh, the German revival that they had was that Clement's daughter joined him on the platform, and his children were becoming active in his work among the gypsy people. Now, as I mentioned, Clement's family would join him during the summers. And so he and his family traveled with the gypsies in France, Holland, Belgium, Spain, Germany, Italy, Portugal, and India. During his lifetime, he would travel in over 40 countries with the gypsies. And his message was very simple. And I want you to hear this. This is precious. The gypsies may be a rejected community, but have become an elect community in the Lord. The gypsies may have been rejected by people. They may have been ostracized. They may have been pushed away. They, they may still be bullied. They may still be discriminated against. They may still be abused. They may still be looked down upon, but not in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And when others would push us away, Jesus' arms are wide open to us. When others would discriminate against us, we know that the Lord does not discriminate against us. When Clement... uh, His ministry came to an end. He left behind a tremendous heritage. He established a denominational offshoot of the Assemblies of God for the Gypsies. Now, there was some concern that it might be perceived as a cult. And so, he associated that denomination with a French union of Pentecostal churches to prevent them being perceived as a cult. He established a Bible school for the Gypsy pastors so that they would no longer depend on someone from outside their culture to teach them about the Lord, but they would have their own gypsy leadership, their own gypsy pastors, their own gypsy evangelists, their own gypsy Bible teachers. And he also established a school for young people so that they could learn how to read. And his work is still going on. If you do a search on the Internet, you can find pictures of revivals that are taking place in colorful tents. The gypsies there dressed uh, primarily in white. The children, baptisms taking place. The one picture I really like shows a baptism taking place in an inflatable pool. And you know, it doesn't matter what's holding the water. What matters is that baptism and that intention towards the Lord. And that shows children there at the meeting. So that work is still continuing. That work is still going on. However, there is a continuing plight for the European gypsies. And this is something for us to pray about. And something for us to be willing to let the Lord put a burden on our hearts about. Nine out of ten European gypsies have suffered racial abuse. Two-thirds of gypsy children have been bullied or physically attacked enough to the point that they won't go to school anymore. Imagine a whole ethnic group that the children are afraid to go to school because of how they're treated. The gypsies are encouraged to buy land for their caravan sites, but 90% of their applications to buy land fail. The infant mortality rate among the gypsies is three times that of the rest of Europe. And their life expectancy is 12 years shorter. And they have trouble getting health care. So they are still still a discriminated against group. Uh, They're still ostracized. But the Lord is still moving among them. And no matter how we're treated by other people, we can rest assured in the love, love of the Lord. And if we're born again, we can rest assured that we're one of the elect. And that we, while we may be rejected by man, we can be chosen of God. And when there are people that suffer from, from bullying and from abuse, we can take that to the Lord. And this is a big problem in the United States, the kids that are bullied, and not just by other kids, but by adults. And this is something for us as Christians to be in prayer about, and for parents to pray about, for the Lord to show them what they can do to make a difference in the life of their children and their children's classmates. But I think it's a wonderful thing how the Lord had begun to move among the gypsy people, 
And in response to their hunger for God, he sent them a man of God that was willing to give up everything, risk everything, and travel with them and teach them about the Lord and help them to raise up their own leadership and help them to learn what they needed to know in order to live for God. And the Lord began to move even more powerfully to the point that the gypsy people were able to forgive Germany for what it had allowed to happen to them during World War II. And that's one more lesson for us as we wrap up talking about Clement Lecossek. If we are in bondage to unforgiveness if we are still in bondage because of what someone has done to us abuse mistreatment whatever it is the lord can set us free from that and when the lord gives us the power to forgive we have to remember that's not saying that what they did was okay But it's saying that we're going to leave the judgment of that up to God. It's saying that we're not going to let that define us for the rest of our life. But that we are going to let that love of God flow through us. And I'm going to bring in one more quick story. Uh, Corey Ten Boom. If you're familiar with the story of Corey Ten Boom, it also ties in with the Nazis in Germany and Holland in World War II. Her family was hiding Jews. Uh, from the Nazis. They were found out. They were captured. Her own sister died in a Nazi concentration camp, was beaten and practically starved to death and died. And years later, Corey is preaching in Germany about the power of God to forgive, that he'll forgive us our sins and cast them in a sea of forgetfulness and put up a no fishing sign. And at the end of her message, uh, Portly overweight man comes up and she recognizes him as being one of those Nazi guards that abused her sister, that had struck her sister. And he came up to her and he said, it's so good to know as you say that he forgives us our sins. And he said, I would like to ask you to forgive me. And Corey said she did not want to forgive this man. She did not want to let go of the emotions that were tied up with this And she didn't feel anything, but she knew that as a Christian, we are to forgive. And so without feeling anything at all, Corey made the intellectual decision that she would forgive this man because she was a Christian. And as she said, as she raised her hand up to take hold of his, it was like the love of God flowed through her and she was able to forgive him. She was released from that burden of unforgiveness. You know, the Lord doesn't want us to live in bondage to anything, including bondage to how we have been mistreated by others or what we have experienced in life. And that same power of God that swept through among the gypsies and enabled them to forgive the nation of Germany for what they had allowed to happen, that same power of God is available to us to sweep through our hearts and lives and give us the power to forgive anything that would hold us in bondage. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this, and I thank you for listening. Now, as I mentioned, Clement's family would join him during the summers, and so he and his family traveled with the gypsies in France, Holland, Belgium, Spain, Germany, Italy, Portugal, and India. During his lifetime, he would travel in over 40 countries 
with the gypsies. And his message was very simple. And I want you to hear this. This is precious. The gypsies may be a rejected community, but have become an elect community in the Lord. The gypsies may have been rejected by people. They may have been ostracized. They may have been pushed away. They, they may still be bullied. They may still be discriminated against. They may still be abused. They may still be looked down upon, but not in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when others would push us away, Jesus' arms are wide open to us. When others would discriminate against us, we know that the Lord does not discriminate against us. When Clement's uh, ministry came to an end, he left behind a tremendous heritage. He established a denominational offshoot of the Assemblies of God for the Gypsies. Now, there was some concern that it might be perceived as a cult, and so he associated that denomination with a French union of Pentecostal churches to prevent them being perceived as a cult. He established a Bible school for the gypsy pastors so that they would no longer depend on someone from outside their culture to teach them about the Lord, but they would have their own gypsy leadership, their own gypsy pastors, their own gypsy evangelists, their own gypsy Bible teachers. And he also established a school for young people so that they could learn how to read. And his work is still going on. If you do a search on the Internet, you can find pictures of revivals that are taking place in colorful tents. The gypsies there dressed uh, primarily in white. Children, baptisms taking place. The one picture I really like shows a baptism taking place in an inflatable pool. And you know, it doesn't matter what's holding the water. What matters is that baptism and that intention towards the Lord. And that shows children there at the meeting. So that work is still continuing. That work is still going on. However, there is a continuing plight for the European gypsies. And this is something for us to pray about. And something for us to be willing to let the Lord put a burden on our hearts about. Nine out of ten European gypsies have suffered racial abuse. Two-thirds of gypsy children have been bullied or physically attacked enough to the point that they won't go to school anymore. Imagine a whole ethnic group that the children are afraid to go to school because of how they're treated. The gypsies are encouraged to buy land for their caravan sites. But 90% of their applications to buy land fail. The infant mortality rate among the gypsies is three times that of the rest of Europe. And their life expectancy is 12 years shorter. And they have trouble getting health care. So they are, still an, they are still a discriminated against group. Uh, they're still ostracized. But the Lord is still moving among them. And no matter how we're treated by other people, we can rest assured in the love, love of the Lord. And if we're born again, we can rest assured that we're one of the elect. And that we, while we may be rejected by man, we can be chosen of God. And when there are people that suffer from 
from bullying and from abuse, we can take that to the Lord. And this is a big problem in the United States that kids that are bullied, and not just by other kids, but by adults. And this is something for us as Christians to be in prayer about, and for parents to pray about, for the Lord to show them what they can do to make a difference in the life of their children and their children's classmates. But I think it's a wonderful thing how the Lord had begun to move among the gypsy people. And in response to their hunger for God, he sent them a man of God that was willing to give up everything, risk everything, and travel with them and teach them about the Lord and help them to raise up their own leadership and help them to learn what they needed to know in order to live for God. And the Lord began to move even more powerfully to the point that the gypsy people were able to forgive Germany for what it had allowed to happen to them during World War II. And that's one more lesson for us as we wrap up talking about Clement Lekosek. If we are in bondage to unforgiveness if we are still in bondage because of what someone has done to us abuse mistreatment whatever it is the lord can set us free from that and when the lord gives us the power to forgive we have to remember that's not saying that what they did was okay But it's saying that we're going to leave the judgment of that up to God. It's saying that we're not going to let that define us for the rest of our life. But that we are going to let that love of God flow through us. And I'm going to bring in one more quick story. Uh, Corey Ten Boom. If you're familiar with the story of Corey Ten Boom, it also ties in with the Nazis in Germany and Holland in World War II. Her family was hiding Jews. Uh, from the Nazis. They were found out. They were captured. Her own sister died in a Nazi concentration camp, was beaten and practically starved to death and died. And years later, Corey is preaching in Germany about the power of God to forgive, that he'll forgive us our sins and cast them in a sea of forgetfulness and put up a no fishing sign. And at the end of her message, uh, Portly overweight man comes up and she recognizes him as being one of those Nazi guards that abused her sister that had struck her sister and he came up to her and he said it's so good to know as you say that he forgives us our sins and he said I would like to ask you to forgive me and Corey said she did not want to forgive this man she did not want to let go of the emotions that were tied up with this And she didn't feel anything, but she knew that as a Christian, we are to forgive. And so without feeling anything at all, Corey made the intellectual decision that she would forgive this man because she was a Christian. And as she said, as she raised her hand up to take hold of his, it was like the love of God flowed through her and she was able to forgive him. She was released from that burden of unforgiveness. You know, the Lord doesn't want us to live in bondage to anything, including bondage to how we have been mistreated by others or what we have experienced in life. 
And that same power of God that swept through among the gypsies and enabled them to forgive the nation of Germany for what they had allowed to happen, that same power of God is available to us to sweep through our hearts and lives and give us the power to forgive anything that would hold us in bondage. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this, and I thank you for listening.